Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So here's this week's teaching. Well, what a great six weeks of messages you had when I was on vacation. Maybe some are saying, why don't you go back on vacation? Because uh, we were really getting into it. Following Jesus in a COVID world, being uh, receiving some messages from Ray from First Peter. Those were good messages. Thank you, Ray. Chris talking about the whole, well, I call it ancestry.god. Um, and the, the, you know, just think of the random things that sometimes happen. Random or planned. Uh, that have brought us and, and made us the people we are. As Chris said, he wouldn't even exist if something funny hadn't happened, and it did, and here he is, and, uh, and we're glad that whatever it was, which I can't remember, uh, did, did in fact happen. Two weeks ago, we were encouraged to come to Jesus, to, to rest in Jesus, to learn from Jesus, as those who are yoked to Jesus. Um, as we journey with him on the road to glory, however, which form the basis of last week's message, we encounter potholes, uh, which cause us to what? Sink? Well, maybe for a moment, but uh, do they not uh, cause us to pray? And uh, that enables us to align or realign with the good purposes of God, the promises of God, and the, the prospects that we have as inheritors of all that God has for us in Jesus. Did I, did I kind of get the gist of it, Ray? You know, I was paying attention. Yeah, good, good. Well, we'll give you a chance again someday. <laughs> uh, but along the way, things, things happen. You know, uh, again, as Chris said, without which we would not even exist, but we do. And aren't we glad? But, but what do we do in, in this current crisis that I've, I've likened to exile? How have you been coping with it all? Uh, or reacting to it? You know, some people are cynical. Some are skeptical. Um, some protest over masks. You can't tell me what to do. You know, all that kind of thing uh, comes forward out of people. Some deliberately ignore the best guidance. Many people are experiencing pandemic fatigue. Uh, many perhaps are worrying about what will happen tomorrow, what tomorrow will bring with school reopenings. And that's one of the things we're going to be praying for. As, as we uh, reach the conclusion of the service. Um, people are putting out their kids as, uh, you know, uh, guinea pigs. You guinea pigs uh, in a great experiment. But we trust and hope that our, our leaders uh, have really thought this through as well as they possibly can. I believe that that's their heart and their desire. But how, how are you coping? Uh, has, and and here's, here's the question that... Uh, is important for today. Has, has prayer uh, been front and center in your life as maybe some of these other thoughts and emotions and feelings have kicked in? Uh, as somebody, somebody wise said to me at breakfast, breakfast the other day, emotions are real, but they are not reality. And uh, we can feel what we feel, but uh, our feelings and our thoughts and everything needs to be aligned to reality. And, and one of the ways we do that is to seek God and to pray. And so has prayer been um, 
front and center for you? And, and if so, for what are you praying in these days? For what are you praying? Um, husband and I went to uh, the grocery store shopping with masks. Got home, took off the mask, brought home wrong husband. Stay alert, people. And my only question is, was he an upgrade? That's the only thing that we need to wonder here. Uh, somebody uh, crafted this little coronavirus prayer. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you for the advancements that have led to the improved health of so many. Uh, those advancements need to go forward a lot more yet, and uh, our prayer is that they would. Um, are you praying for these gentlemen, our premier, uh, the education ministry minister, as uh, they are involved in working through what it, what, what it is taking to reopen schools safely. Um, and what will that look like? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it will look like. My grandkids are about to find out. How about uh, prayer that the, the church would be able to reopen? And, and what, what ought it to look like? This is what it looks like for us right now. For others, it looks like this. And I will not comment any further on, uh, on this. But there you have it. There you have it. And the next thing we'll hear is they're being persecuted. But whatever. I said I wasn't going to say anything. Some church signs, you know, we see, keep praying and wash your hands. Good advice. You know, church signs, what nice words they have. You know, keep loving, keep praying, keep distance. God is near. Nice words. Nice words. Sometimes maybe a little trite, but there we have it. One sign on the way up to the 401 says, God's the only one you don't have to keep distance from. And that is certainly true. But as people like Daniel and, and us are finding ourselves serving God and, in a sense, somebody else's country in exile, are we praying? And, and is this question of, will this ever be over, part of the Part of the mix, no doubt it is. And the short answer is yes, it will come to an end. But when? How long? Oh Lord, when, when will we get back to normal or a new normal where we can fling these things off? Hugs, not masks. Well, the, the, the idea is right. The timing for some of those people is dead wrong, literally. But when will we get back to it? And, uh, you know, are we going to be looking at a second wave this winter? We, we just simply don't know. What I do know is that Daniel has a lot to teach us about prayer. That there was an urgency to his praying that could not be stopped by a king's addict. Eat addict. Yeah, the king's addicts and the king's edicts, uh, or the consequences of non-compliance. In Daniel six, we looked at this six or seven weeks ago. That Daniel knew that. An order had been issued that no one was to pray to anybody but uh, Darius, and yet he continued to go to his house and uh, with the window wide open. And perhaps, you know, he wasn't just praying quietly. I suspect that he was crying out to God with a with a raised voice. But however, he was he was noticed. He was seen, and it. Uh, <laughs> created a lot of trouble for him, and God rescued him, and all that is, is wonderful. But what motivated the praying that Daniel was doing? And what was the content of that prayer that he was raising up to God in, in that specific time? We read in Daniel 9, which is the focus of today, 
in the first year of Darius. By birth, a Mede who became king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah, must be fulfilled for the devastation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Jeremiah had said, you know, settle in. It's going to be a while. But he also put an end point on it. And Daniel realized that, wow, what year is this? Man, we're very close to the 70 here. And yet nothing seems to be happening. A regime change has happened, but here we are still. No indication that anything was going to end. And yet, to the question, will the exile ever end? The, the word of God was unequivocal that it was going to happen, but how was it going to happen? You know, Jeremiah wrote these things. He was a prophet of the last days of uh, the kingdom of Judah. He said exile would happen, and he told them why. That their rebellion against God um, figured largely in, in, in the, in the, as, as to the reason why it also happened. He, but he said it would end. And uh, this is what he said in Jeremiah 29. Only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you. And I will fulfill my promise to you and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare, not for your harm, to give you a future and a hope. Then, then, when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me. Have you ever found that? That, that you feel so distant from God and you say, I, I can't take this anymore. And, and you begin to pray and pour out your heart. And you find that God graciously lets you find him in the midst of whatever, in the midst of a diagnosis that you would rather not have for yourself or someone you love or, or whatever things, not too much on my ear here, things are starting to fall off. There we go. I think that's back now. But in the midst of it, you discover that the God you thought was far off is indeed very, very near. And he said to the people, I will let you find me and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations and all the places I've driven you. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you in exile. See, what, what's happening here is, is, yes, we have this promise. Seventy years and it's going to come to an end. But it was not going to come to an end, I submit to you, apart from at least some of God's people, recognizing the time. And like Daniel, going before the Lord, as he did. And we'll, we'll see his prayer in a moment. See, Jeremiah links and connects the promise with the prayers which would activate the promise for those who believed. And what God would do in response to passionate, heartfelt prayer. And so we read that Daniel turned to the Lord God to seek an answer by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. He said, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, Ah, Lord, great and awesome God, keeping covenant and steadfast love. Yes, the word is, 
and I can say it with a mask on, said that comprehensive, beautiful, messy sounding, but wonderful word that takes in everything good. Steadfast love, relentless commitment, and faithfulness of God to His people. With those who love you and keep your commandments, look, we have sinned and done wrong, acted wickedly, turned aside, not listened. When prophets spoke to our kings, our princes, and to all of us, in fact. Daniel recognizes God is a covenant-keeping God full of this steadfast love and mercy, but the covenant had provision for disobedience and rebellion, as we'll see later as we look at uh, a, a quick snippet of, uh, of Deuteronomy. Will the exile ever end? Yeah, the word of God is unequivocal that although our rebellion was unthinkable, and it truly was unthinkable, uh, righteousness is on your side, Lord, but open shame as at this day falls on us. All of us, open shame falls on us, our kings, officials, ancestors, because we have sinned against you. Now, Daniel might have wanted to say that personally, he had nothing to do with it. You know, that was them. And, and I am personally not, not responsible. You hear that kind of talk? Nowadays, when it comes to matters of uh, racism or relations with First Nations people, well, I didn't have anything to do with breaking the treaty or any of that. So, you know what? Let's just move on, people. And you may recall when Adrian Jacobs was here, he put the, uh, uh, put the lie to that. Um, not that we're intentionally lying, but, but he showed what God thought of that in terms of something that God did years after, to bring attention to something that had been done by the ancestors long before in relation to their treatment of the Gibeonites, as I recall. See, Daniel might have, might have wanted to say he had nothing to do with this rebellion and thus distance himself from blame, but that's not the posture that he takes. He prays as one who is in solidarity with the people of God, both in their iniquity and in their repentance. Go figure. But that's what he did. And you know, we could say too, well, Adam sinned, so that was his problem, and yet Scripture affirms that the, the, the impacts of his sin have impacted upon us all. Right? We could say, you know, we could cry foul, but it's the same thing. Scripture calls us all to repent. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we've rebelled against him. That's what we've done. All Israel has transgressed your law, turned aside, refusing to obey your, your voice. And with what consequence? There's always consequence. Maybe not immediately, but there's always consequence. And so it's, he says, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses has been poured out upon us because, yeah, we have sinned against you. He has confirmed his words. Which he, which he spoke about uh, against us, bringing upon us a calamity so great that what has been done against Jerusalem has never been done under the whole heaven, just as it is written in the law of Moses. All this calamity has come upon us. We did not entreat the favor of the Lord our God. We're a little late to the game in terms of this praying and seeking God, but it's never too late. We didn't entreat His favor. 
and reflect on his fidelity. So the Lord kept watch over this until he brought it, brought it upon us. Indeed, the Lord our God is right in all that he has done, for we have disobeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt, the tone is shifting now. The confession is now shifting to petition based on the character and the covenant faithfulness of God. In fact, covenant faithfulness and righteousness of God are equivalents here. In view of his past dealings, Daniel appeals. He said, Lord, in, in view of your all of your righteous acts, let your anger and wrath, we pray, turn away from your city of Jer Jerusalem, your holy mountain. Turn it away. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, he has already said. And so he appeals based on Yahweh's character as the compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, merciful God who, who forgives. And so will this end? Yes. The word of God is unequivocal that though our rebellion was unthinkable, your mercy is unfathomable in keeping with your character. That even sounds good behind a mask because it's true. Therefore, O Lord our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication. And for your own sake, Lord, let your face shine upon your desolated sanctuary. See, Lord, you have a reputation here that has been sullied and will continue to be dragged in the mud should this calamity persist. And so, so God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and look. As if we have to tell God to open his eyes, right? That's the thing about prayer. The language sometimes may not be dead on accurate, but it's passionate and God hears it. And God responds... Open your eyes. Look at our desolation. The city that bears your name. So you got your name on that city. And you got your name on us. So, regardless, we belong to you. And what are you going to do for the sake of your great name? In order that your name might be honored. And let me reiterate, God, we do not present our supplication on the ground of our righteousness, but on the ground of your great mercies. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Listen and act. Do not delay for, the, for your own sake because your city and your people, yeah, there it is, bear your name for your sake in view of all you've got your name on. The Word of God is unequivocal that though our rebellion has been unthinkable, your mercy is unfathomable in keeping with your character and your covenant, which is irrevocable. You know, I, I wasn't going to include this, this part. I, I was only going to take it down to that, that verse. But as I was sitting in my office this morning, I, I just read on a little bit. Because the, the answer to this prayer, um, it, my ear's falling off again. One second. Need more crazy glue, I guess. Bigger ears, that too. We can arrange that. Where's the kids? They can just pull on them for a while and see what happens. You know, the answer to this prayer is pretty complex. And, uh, and I'm not even going to go into it, but I found this, these next few verses to be so powerful that I'm just going to read them uh, in, a, in an actual Bible. See, I actually have one of these. 
while I was speaking and was praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God on behalf of the holy mountain of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen before in a vision, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. And listen, he came and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you wisdom and understanding at the beginning of your supplications. At the beginning. You've been praying and praying three times a day, but at the beginning, when you started all this, a word went out. And I've come to declare it. Get this. For you are greatly beloved. You are greatly beloved. Why would God bother with those who have rebelled against him, which includes every last one of us, and we have needed the redemption that is in Christ, why would he bother with us? Because you are greatly, and I am greatly, beloved. Are those just words to you? Or in your heart of hearts, are you able to feel the, 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 the warmth and the power of, of that truth, that reality? See, that's reality. Perception is not reality. We may perceive that we are far away, we are rejected, and we may have strong emotion about it. Emotion is real. Perception is real. But God's truth is, God's word is reality. We need to constantly be bringing ourselves in alignment with not only the words, but the, the feelings of, you know, that, that God has for you. As for me, Daniel had prayed, Ah, oh, Lord, great and awesome God, keeping covenant and steadfast love. Keeping covenant. That's what God does. Keeping covenant. And he said, righteousness is on your side. And he says, Lord, hear and forgive and listen and act and so forth. And I'm just going to quickly submit to you that the righteousness of God here refers to the covenant faithfulness of God. I'm not going to take any time to unpack that, but I can point you to some good reading if you want to explore it further. And the, the covenant faithfulness of God cuts both ways. It cuts in the direction of judgment, but it also cuts in the direction of restoration. Deuteronomy had said, in the time of Moses... Who, who said these things, who wrote them, when all these things have happened to you, the blessings and the curses, if you call them to mind among the nations where the Lord has driven you and returned to the Lord your God, and you and your children obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, just as I am commanding you now, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you, gathering you again from the peoples among whom the Lord your God has scattered you, even if you are exiled to the end, of the end of the world, from there the Lord your God will gather you and he will bring you back. And on the basis of that, Daniel makes his appeal. The word of the Lord is unequivocal. That though our rebellion has been unthinkable, his mercy is unfathomable in keeping with his character and his covenant. And his covenant with us is irrevocable. So in terms of our present, 
Will this coronavirus exile end? Of course it will, as pandemics do. And let's pray that we would not flaunt it and fly in the face of wisdom and make it worse than it needs to be, as some are doing. I don't know when it will end. In the meantime, how about we pray? We may be tempted to throw in the towel. We may be discouraged or angry or just think this whole thing is overblown. The truth is that that shortly after Daniel's prayer was made, a decree was issued by the new regime allowing Jews to return to Israel just as Jeremiah had said. The sad thing, though, about this is that so many had settled in or had given up on Jeremiah's hopeful future so that when that day came, they stayed put. They were dug in. They did not re-engage with the purposes of God for Jerusalem. And, and my next talk is going to be called Returning from Exile. And here's the thing. To what would Israel return? To what would they return? Ah, oh, we're going home. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. Remember that old song? It was hot when I was 15. With everlasting joy upon their heads. But what would they find when they got there? This is home. I see a lot of rubble. I see a lot of devastation. And yet God said return. But to what would they return? And what would it require of them as God's people? As God's temple and city rebuilders? Would anything ever be the same again? Well, would it? What is it now looking like to us as we begin to return? How are we liking it? Personally, I'd like to take this thing and just fling it as far as I can, but I'm not going to do that. Maybe you feel the same way. But in, in, in the midst of it all, let's, let's, just, let's just pray. Let's just seek the Lord. Let's ask Him to be gracious and see what happens. And just keep on loving and living as those who, as we say, welcome and support one another and anyone who crosses our path. Welcome and support them in their journeys with God. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com, or on Facebook. Just search for Aylmer EMC.